welcome to Only God Rescued Me, my journey from satanic ritual abuse. I'm Lisa Meister. Today, I am very excited. We have John Smith joining us to give us his story of healing from satanic ritual abuse. I know that this is his first interview that he's ever given, so I'm very excited to have him here and to do that with us. I know you will enjoy it. It is a bit triggering at times, so be forewarned before you listen. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, John Smith. How are you? Good. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. I have been so excited to have you here today. You are a male. <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> there are an equal number of male and female SRA survivors out there, but I think it's harder for males to speak up. Why do you think that is? I think it has to do with the shame of admitting maybe we are weak um, and that we're taking advantage of and vulnerable. And traditionally, males don't like being vulnerable. So, um, and also, I think it just has been ignored for years. Um, it's primarily almost like a female issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just so important that you're here today. So thank you for your courage to come forward and to share with us your story. Uh, you're welcome. Hopefully it's a benefit to all those listening. How long have you been on your healing journey? Uh, since 2017. Um, and, but to be honest, I think I've been on my journey all my life. Um, God has sprinkled in people along the path to give me hints that have led me up to today. Um, I remember one of my first jobs out of high school, the gentleman that owned the business um, shared a interesting and a bit of information about my grandfather, um, which he shared that, you know, despite what other people said about my grandpa, he still liked him. And that just really never settled for me. Um, and but it helped give me peace and make sense as I discovered my memories and how my grandpa was involved. Um, and then I had an intern at one of the counseling um, agencies I was at. Um, she was a lady who um, was DID. And she graciously shared her story with me. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I could really connect with her, but I didn't know why at that time. Um, and that just, was, I'm sorry. How long ago was that? Do you think? Oh, that was yes. back in 2000. Oh, probably nine or 10, somewhere around there. Wow. So that was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's a part of me, I knew what she, I, I wondered what she had, but I didn't know what I wanted or needed at the time. Um, and, and then probably a couple years later, I read the story of the lady who was, um, trafficked by the Nazis in California. I don't know if you're familiar with that story or not. No. Uh, she talks about her story and 
Heritage Association. Um, and I was like, huh, something in there was familiar to me, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Right. And, and then I read uh, The Fractured Mind mm-hmm. um, by Robert Oxen. And uh, again, I read that one, but I thought maybe it was a little bit of white coat syndrome. You know, you read a book and you discover something. And of course, that's you. But um, I connected with something in that book at that time. But I just, you know, I followed it away. Years went by and uh, I didn't think much about it. And then probably 20... Probably around 2016, 2017, my daughter kind of spoke some reality to me. Uh, we were outside playing in the snow and got the truck stuck, and I got really mad. And my eyes, she said, got really red. And she's like, Dad, you're scaring me. Um, and I had not heard that from anybody close to me before. And I obviously had dissociated. And it kind of, that just hit home for me. It's like, wow, there is something, there's something I'm struggling with right there, but I didn't wow. know what it was besides just anger. Um, Cause I could feel myself. And I, as I look back on that, I could see myself yelling at her, but not being able to stop. Um, so. Okay. Sorry about that. We got disconnected. So we're starting again at uh, <laughs> your daughter was angry. Or saying you were angry and you were scared. Yeah. You were scaring her. And yeah, that just triggered something in me. Like I have something's different. I just, cause I couldn't control it. Um, but then again, you know, I didn't do much about it at that time. Um, so I, I, you know, kept going off my life, but what was a true turning point for me and I'll reference what um, Susan was a Belrose said in your podcast with her. Um, she said, Jesus has to get us to adulthood and he tries desperately to get us into a good, solid relationship with him before he reveals these things to us. And I heard that and I was like, that's it for me. So what I had to do was, you know, kind of back up a little bit my marriage was falling apart i was struggling with an addiction um and i needed to work on myself so i went to celebrate recovery with the mindset that i was only going to trust jesus christ and i did that's all i did until i could learn to trust people um but what i found (laughs) hello again we keep having trouble so uh thank you for sticking with me here john no problem so the the incident with your daughter in the car getting stuck in the snow did that help lead you up to the sra memories coming back no not yet um what that helped me do was realize looking back now that i was dissociating okay um, and there's another event coming up that I will get to that'll help put that m- more in perspective. Okay. Yeah. So I guess going back to the story, getting commit, I went to celebrate recovery. I learned to trust people 
I call it trusting Jesus with skin on, um, which allowed me uh, to build relationships and to trust and to build my relationship with Christ. Um, so I, and to answer, ask your question about, um, well, I guess going back to getting triggered, um, and with the daughter, I got triggered at church once. Um, it was during the service, they had a red revolving light and, and they were also talking about spiritual warfare. And afterwards, I went up to the minister and kind of yelled at him and told him about time he did this. And as that was going on, again, I was watching myself talk and I couldn't stop. And at that point, I was like, I, I got to do something about this um, and figure out what to do. And so at that time, I, had, I was strong enough to celebrate recovery and I was developing relationship. I heard of a gentleman's name that at the church I was doing sober recovery with was um, Dick Hosteller. So I called this gentleman up and basically started doing um, the Emmanuel approach healing with him. And then through that process, um, I started working on my memories. Okay. So this is a little backwards from the way a lot of people do it. So you recognized first that you were dissociating? Yes. And that said what to you? Oh, uh, that something's not right. <laughs> um, and I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, but I just knew something was wrong. I was, you know, tired of reacting that way and the way my life was going. Um, so I needed help. And God led me to, um, to Dick. Um, and wow. then that opened my eyes up. Um. Okay, so let's stop for a minute. Uh, we're uh -huh. talking dissociation, the dissociative disorder, DID, for our listeners. Okay. Can you explain in a nutshell what dissociation is? Uh, for me, it is... It's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Um, Do you want me to answer that? No, I'll, I'll answer it. Okay. Um, just give me a second. But what it is, for me, it's being conscious and not able or not understanding what I am saying or doing at that time, but watching it is very confusing at the beginning. Now I look at it as... Um, it's a part of me taking over to help me get through a situation that is stressful. Um, that's how I define it. Um, in my yeah, that's mind. A good yeah, that's a good definition. So yeah. then uh, we haven't talked on this podcast about the Emmanuel approach before. And I really don't like the word approach with it because I see this as bringing God into our dissociation to heal. But can you tell us what this approach is and how it works? Um, the best I can tell you, yes, it is um, the approach developed by Carl Lehman um, and James Wilder. There's other people involved in it too. Basically, it is connecting with Jesus on an intimate level and then establishing an interactive connection with him 
in session or wherever you're at and walking back through a memory. Um, so I explain in simple terms as we sit down, we ask Jesus in the session and I just let Jesus lead me where I need to go. Um, the important thing is maintaining that connection with him and then um, having him speak to me um, about that memory and, um, and he heals the pain in that part that is struggling at the time. Um, so is Jesus speaking to you audibly, like out loud, like we are? Um, not always. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he's just there. Um, sometimes it's nonverbal, which to me, I, I can communicate a lot nonverbally. He'll speak to me how I best receive communication. Um, yeah. yeah. Sometimes that, just his present in the memory is healing for me. So he comes to you to, into the memory. Mm-hmm. Was he with you in the abuse? Oh, yes. Um, Was yeah. he participatory in the abuse? Did he want mm. that to happen to you? No, um, but due to free will, um, he lets that happen and he has to watch that. And he agrees with me. Um, it's been several of my memories where afterwards we sit and eat cookies together um, and talk about it and cry. I love yeah. That. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, other times he's, he's held my hands. He's usually above watching. Um, you know, there's times he's crying with me. Um, I can't imagine the restraint he has to have not to stop it. Oh, yeah. And that, yeah. to me, is beautiful. Um, that, But that he loves us all, no matter what, that he doesn't do that. Um, Why do yeah. you think he doesn't do that? Well, that would be um, disturbing our free will and taking that away. And I don't want to lose my free will. And whose free will was it that put you there? Uh, my mother's, the abusers, whoever was in that room doing that. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it certainly wasn't your free will to be there. No, I, I definitely didn't want to be there. No. Right. There's not so, cookies in the world to be there. There's, there's a lot of approaches in different ways. People work with dissociated parts and try to bring healing to them. With the Emmanuel approach, how do you feel at the end? I feel um, sometimes I'm tired and exhausted, but um, as I shared with you earlier, I don't have the hangover effect of traditional counseling that I would have in the past, um, where that emotion and energy would last like a whole week or so or even longer. Um, For me, it usually is uh, three hours or so. I'm pretty tired and exhausted, but I feel... Uh, I feel healed. I feel free. Um, and that's what I love about this approach. It's like, it's not one and done, but, um, but in a way it is. Um, you go back, you work the memory, and it's like Jesus says it's okay, and it is okay. And, yeah, I, I walk out lighter. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain because it just works. Um, Jesus just does an awesome work in it. Yeah. Very, yeah. Freeing is the best word I have. I've, I've gone through this as well. And 
I would say that it's this feeling of <sighs> inside. Yeah. 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 Or where I've gone through like EMDR, theophastic stuff, and I just I'm like catatonic for a couple days. Yeah. Just not functional. Yeah, my experience with EMDR was I, my memory it just went black, and there was no peace, and there's yeah it just yeah I like your expression of ah because that that explains it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that that's where to me the the whole problem with SRA is the demonic is trying to keep you from ever coming to God. Mm-hmm. But God is the only place you can find healing, real healing. Yes. Where you can get to those dissociated parts because when you get to a dissociated part, that's actually the child you were at the age handling different parts of the abuse. And they don't know it's over. Mm-hmm. So that anger that you were having was a part still lashing out, terrified, trying to survive. So if we don't go back and rescue them, we're going to keep getting triggered into those parts. Those parts are still trying to protect us mm-hmm. and get us through. And it takes Jesus to come in and, and get that out. So what happened with anger as you've been working with <laughs> healing? Uh, my anger has decreased, thankfully. Oh, I was so angry for so many years. And a lot of it, I couldn't figure out why, why I was so angry. And um, I realized now I was being triggered, but it's like anger over silly things. Um, and I guess this might, I guess a lot of it might be a good point time to bring up what I call double binds. And that was um, getting put in a position where I had to choose between two good things. Um. And that was part of the SRA of having to choose who to get hurt and who wouldn't. Okay. Uh, let's, let's make this a little more clear if it doesn't bother you too much. No, that's fine. So like within a ritual, yeah. you were given like two people or two animals to hurt. No, I was given people. We were given, okay. two, I was given two people to hurt and I had to choose. And wow. yeah. And even thinking about that, that was just overwhelming. So what I would do, what I've learned, I would go through and pick out a flaw in that person, whatever flaw that was that would justify, in my mind, me picking them. So that's how I would make that decision. Well, I Uh, mean, that's a strategy. I mean, you have to have a strategy to get through, right? Yes. And that made it bearable, not bearable, but it made you be able to walk through that. Yeah, made it, yeah, acceptable. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, a good word. Um, but the problem is I carried that over into life, in adult life, and I pick people apart that way sometimes. And that's been a hard one to get over. You know? So how do, how has that affected your life? Can you give me an example? Um, the double binds or the picking people apart or both? The double bind. Like, how the does binds. the double bind come into oh. your life? Well, in my marriage with my kids, my wife would ask me to choose between her and the kids. And it's like, you can't make me do that. And I would just explode inside and outside and um, rage and everything. Um, and then 
I, a large part of my life was constantly having to choose between two goods. It felt like, um, whether or not that was true or not all the time. Um, to me, I guess it's almost, it was like a curse that I was, yeah, yeah, that I had to endure always. Yeah. Nothing could just be a pure decision, you know? Um, it's not like second guessing yourself. It's, it's deeper than that. Um, yeah. Wow. So it would kind of keep you triggered all the time then in life. Yes. Yeah. Because that was all it's so like for the listeners, rituals, yeah, they're in your past, but they keep replicating in the present until you can get healed. Mm-hmm. So it makes life very undoable. So what did life look like before you came to the point of I'm an and accepted that? <laughs> I, I wrote it was um, a perfectly polished mess. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, wow. I, I could, I was raised to look good on the outside. Everything right. was perfect. Um, and, you know, nothing was going on. And I tried to continue that in my adult life. I wasn't very good at it. But um, I tried to be perfect, tried to say the right things, and just tried to be perfect all the time, which is exhausting and impossible to do. Right. Um, so, and then I was just angry all the time, um, constantly fighting, never happy with myself never content. Um, and I look back, I was being triggered all the time by things that um, I haven't identified all my triggers, but it's just little things. Like I said before, it didn't mean much, but to me, they were huge. And then the people living with me, you know, had, you know, they were under a lot of stress because they never knew what was going to set me off. Um, I didn't know what was setting me off or why it was setting me off so much um, to that level of intensity. Um, I guess maybe another way to look at it is like on a scale of one to 10, I was always living at eight, nine or 10. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know? And the other part was then with the dissociation, um, I am what they call co-conscious most of the time so far of what I know. So, um, I don't lose track of a lot of time, but I noticed that I would have to go on, I just have to go on drives every once in a while. And I never knew why I would just get my car and go just to get away and get out. Um, and I think that was a part of my dissociating a little bit. Um, let's see what else consider that a part of your dissociating that you could dissociate while you were driving I could or um I did dissociate yeah I think while I was driving or just that whole process I don't know that's something I have spent a lot of time on so I'm not exactly sure okay. uh, but I just know there was a drive there that um was feeding that and maybe for your listeners that's what the key is right now is that it was a unspoken drive just to do something that really didn't make sense at the time um 
and you know it should have been probably a red flag at the time right well yeah you wouldn't know and that's a lot about the survivor before you realize you're an SRA survivor there's Mm -hmm. just so many things you do that don't make sense like why do I need to do this what what is this doing for me you know like for me I would dissociate there is a tree in my front yard that I would just stare into and I would just be Uh, gone Mm -hmm. you know and I never knew what that was I didn't know why I was doing it but if things started getting stressful you know I just disappear into the tree it's like Mm. okay it's like and it doesn't make sense until after SRA comes out it's like oh and then you learn about dissociation or you know for you you did that first which is very interesting to me you know but it takes the piece of knowing that you're an SRA survivor for life to make sense. Like once you knew you were a survivor and you looked back over your life, did it make things go into shape more for you? <laughs> yes, very much. I laugh because it was so refreshing and so rewarding uh, to finally figure out that big piece of the puzzle that was missing. Um, and I remember I went around to, uh, everybody I knew just saying, Hey, I finally figured it out. And I was so, you know, it's like a kid with a wonderful present. It's like, look at this, look what that, my life finally makes sense. Um, and it was also validating because I went back to my first wife and said, Hey, you know, I'm a survivor of SRA. I dissociate. And she just kind of looks at me and said, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. She, wow. Didn't, she didn't even blink. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, she's like, yeah. She goes, that explains it because she said you would be so different or so angry, you know, so extreme. Um, so that was validation. It, it just, it validated everything I had experienced. And um, in a way, it, it made my life worth living knowing that. Really? Uh, yeah. How um, so? Because I had, a, I had a reason and a purpose now. Um, you know, when you, when you figure something out and it makes sense and describes you, you can describe yourself and explain yourself to others. Cause I can now explain myself. Some of my behaviors, not that justifies it, but Hey, I do this because, you know, I dissociate or that's in effect of being, you know, satanic ritual abuse, you know, that, um, yeah, I don't. It's, I don't know, it goes back to being free, but. So did everybody that you were talking to, did they respond well to this? <laughs> no. Some people just look at me like, yeah, whatever. Um, some people are afraid to ask anymore. Um, but, you know, you find the people that support you, encourage you, and confront you in healthy ways, in positive ways. And those are the people I try to hang out with and. Um, spend in time with right um, and God's blessed me with three one three wonderful friends um, who are who've had similar experiences and that has you know been an awesome journey with them oh yeah finding someone are they so stray survivors uh, yes they are oh nice yeah that makes it much easier yeah because they yeah because you. We, we all know what we're all on the same wavelength and we can talk the same and yeah. 
and God knew I needed them because if I didn't have them, I, I wouldn't be as far along as I am. How so? I wouldn't have, I would still be fighting this. Um, I think. How did they help you? They normalized it. Um, and the other thing, they accepted me. That's the key. They accepted me for who I am and all my parts. Um, and they're able to just look at me and say, that's not John or that's so-and-so and you need to stop that. Or, you know, um, it's kind of like, you know, we can, we're in that one group of acceptance. Um, and you, I think you need to find. Here we go again, John. <laughs> Somebody doesn't want us to do this. We are going to do this. <laughs> yes, we are. You're going to say everything we want to say. <laughs> I got it all day. And isn't so. that the beauty that we do have a voice now? Yes, and we, we do. can say it. Well, that's interesting you say that now because I have a problem talking, I guess, not in complete sentences. And my friends are always telling me, use, use your words, John. Um, <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah, because I've never felt what I had to say was worth anything. Um, and I'm not, I haven't found the core of that yet. Uh, I know where some of it came from, you know, coming from my family. Um, but I think it goes deeper in that, you know, it might even go back to the fact that you're not supposed to tell, you know, know, this is a big no, no, but I don't know. I'm to the point where I, I need to tell and yeah, I don't know if I'll shut up to be honest. I hope Um, you don't. I hope you don't. Um, you are speaking in full sentences. You are doing yeah. really well. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know when I first started, I would stammer like crazy. I just couldn't find words. It was mm-hmm. awful. So the process for you of getting to today is amazing because 2017, 2016 isn't that long ago. I mean, I'm... 52 so almost 52 so (laughs) I am 30 some years into healing it took me a long time to get up and talking but you've done it pretty fast why do you think God's leading you so quickly to speak I I think this is what he's had in mind for me for a while um and I need to say it um and I don't know Part of it's part because I'm stubborn, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, very stubborn. And part of me is a little angry and irritated that people are still getting hurt. Um, so there's like an urgency there. When you're and saying people are still getting hurt, what are you? Who are you referencing? Pe- um, people are still being hurt through SRA. It's still going yeah. on. Right. It's just even more secret, secretive right, right now. Um, and, and part of me, you know, I guess I have a patient to tell who will listen. Um, so yeah, there's a sense of urgency. I'm getting older, you know, um, and there's freedom in telling too, and there's healing in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I guess I want to stop the suffering. I've seen enough suffering that I can't stop at all, but. You know, and the other thing is, I know Emmanuel approach works and Jesus heals. Um, and 
and and I'm excited about that. I spent too many years not doing that too. Um, so I don't know. That's what's well, driving me. We were talking earlier about how the rituals make the victims, the children, terrified of God because they mix God into the rituals, which yep. gets very confusing. So they think that God wants them there or God's put them there or God didn't stop it. So he must have wanted it. And then there's a lot of things that keep a lot of people as adults from then ever coming to God because they're terrified. But it takes coming to God to get to Jesus to get the healing. So it's it's very complicated well, to a lot a, of survivors. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Um, because a lot of my memories, unfortunately, you know, Jesus was a perpetrator. Not the real Jesus, but the fake Jesus. Um, so that made it difficult to trust him. Was it a person dressed yeah. up as Jesus? It was a person dressed up and talking as Jesus or pretending to be Jesus. Um, and we, so I have to walk parts through that and explain to them, that's not the real Jesus, you know? And so as a little guy that I was pretty susceptible to that. So then you want me to grow up and you want me to trust you, Jesus. It's like, I don't, you know, how am I going to do it? So that's another double bind in my mind. It's like, you want me to trust you, but you hurt me. And, but I know who you are, the real Jesus, but I have this, you know, the mean Jesus over here. So that was a constant battle. And how that related to me was then I would struggle with God and obeying him and following his ways. Um, and I was always doing the push pull relationship with him. I'd get close to him and pull away. Um, and, and that developed something I wanted to talk about was my hypocrisy. Um, I had hypocrisy growing up. You know, our life was perfect on the outside, but miserable on the inside. I hated that. But yeah, I did the same thing in my life, in my marriages. It's like, you know, um, but now knowing what I know, that all makes sense to me. And it's no wonder I struggle with Jesus and God and obeying. And, um, you know, that's that other, that's that freedom and that peace that comes through this, this healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many survivors talk about, you know, they just can't come to God. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just don't feel safe with him. I can't yep. trust him. So how do you think people can start to differentiate between the fake God that the rituals, per, you know, brought yeah. through and the real God? How do you how do you find that? Ooh. Uh, I know I have a friend who cannot use the word Jesus. She uses another name for him. So I think maybe somebody might need to do that. Um, oh, I see, that's tough for me because I, I guess I'm stubborn enough that I'm going to find a God, the God of the Bible. Um, I don't know. I guess you have to work that out yourself. This is probably not the answer you want. Or, but whatever you have to do that gets you to build that relationship with Jesus and accept God, the true God and the true Christ, I guess you do it. Um, Can you say that last sentence again? Because you broke up. Okay. Uh, whatever you have to do to find a true God and true Jesus, 
you just do it. Right. Um, whether it's giving them a different name, whether it's, you know, finding somebody on earth with Jesus with skin on and then learning to trust that person and then transferring that to Jesus. I don't know. Um, to me, a big part, God's been working on trust with me for the last several years. And you just have to trust him. And that's terrifying because everybody we've had to trust or supposed to trust in our life, at least for me, I couldn't trust them. Like growing up, when the adults you're supposed to trust are hurting you, you know, right. who, yeah. who do you trust? Right. And, yeah. And people wonder why you have trust issues. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, um, and maybe that's the bigger question. Um, it's like when I walked into CR, I told myself, and that was, I'm going to trust Jesus. That's it. And I just kind of set my mind on that. So your stubborn came through in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know. Well, it, it's kind of, that's like your spirit man to me, standing up and saying, they will not win. Yes. I'm coming to God anyway. I'm coming to Jesus and I'm coming to real Jesus or Yeshua or however you want to call him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, you know, the Bible to me is everything because that's where truth is. But because they use it in the rituals and then they twist it, that can be difficult for people too. So yeah. like the even the iconography of the Bible is used in rituals. So even that itself can be triggering. So it, it's tricky. It's very tricky. It's, yeah, it's almost like you can't win even in healing, but you do win. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's the beauty of God when it says in the Bible, he'll leave the 99 and go after the one. Yeah. I see the SRA survivors as the one. Yeah. You're the he one. He goes after yeah. us and it's a wooing and it's a healing and it's, bit by bit and piece by piece and he's like i will give you as long as it takes Mm -hmm. you know i will get you to see who i really am so it's it's a beautiful love story between a survivor and god yep and god wants that restoration of that relationship right Uh, and he's been putting that on my heart lately yep so you are starting a ministry what are you doing I am starting a ministry to work with people that are, um, you know, survivors of SRA um, and doing, I want to do counseling with them, um, work on relationships. And also I want to educate the church or whoever will listen um, because we, we need to, um, especially the church, um, you know, Satan will infiltrate from the inside and we have to be able to start identifying those and be able to speak out against it. Um, and I guess and the other thing I want to do is just encourage healing um, and encourage people to it's OK to be scared and still and still work on healing, um, you know. And that's a message I want to get across. Um, so how open do you think the church is right now to hearing from SRA survivors? Uh, that's not a fair question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> uh, 
Because um, I've done a lot of calls to churches of friends. I mean, oh, okay. friends being pastors even. Yeah. And like, I would love to come and give my testimony. And they're like, my church in horror. Yeah. Or you can't hit the church with that over the head on a Sunday morning. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a Wednesday night or something. Yeah. You might I guess. Do that. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they um, need several cups of coffee in them before they get that one. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that I. I just. I, I'll just say I don't know. Otherwise, I'll get myself in trouble with what I what I'm thinking right now. It just hurts me that we're not. Um, but see, I came from a Church of Christ background, um, so this would really be left field for them. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but I guess I will speak to who will listen, and that's all I can do, and where God leads me. Um, right. And, you know, by look my own journey, it took me years to get here, and it might take years for other people, but if I just help one person, it's good enough. Um, okay. This is going to be off the cuff, so you tell okay. me if you're not comfortable with this or not. Okay. For the pastors listening in today... What would you like to say to them? Why would it be important for you to come and speak at their church or you or whoever? Uh, my first thought is trust your heart and your mind, your soul, your spirit. Um, that it's going to be okay. Um, you, you have people in your church who are hurt, uh, who have been hurt through SRA um, and who are getting hurt still. And Allow us to come in and help you. Uh, we're not there to take over anything. We don't, you know, I don't want that role. Um, we just allow us to come beside you and walk with you. And um, I don't know, do that, walk that journey with you. Um, you know, pray about it and see what God leads. Um, One thing yeah. that's, been impressed on me lately is that if we could handle SRA as a child, the church can handle it, hearing about it yep. as Christian adults. So I Ooh, think I, like that. I yeah. would like to say to pastors, don't sell your people short. Yep. You know, I, my pastor opened up for me to give a 15 minute testimony at my church. Oh, wow. And I'm like, give me parameters. He's like, nope, I'm not giving you any, whatever God leads you with. Really? I'm like, okay. whoa. Because he read my book. So he knew, you know, mm -hmm. it was bad. And um, they, the people reacted so warmly. I mean, just beautifully. And then they had people specifically start coming to the church because they told the pastor, uh, if okay. SRA is being talked about, we know this church can handle anything yep. and we want to be a part of this church. Yeah. I think we have a lot of people waiting for this to open up who may not, who are just struggling um, in churches, even outside of churches. Um, Do you think there are survivors in every church? Oh yeah. 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 I do too. Because I've learned uh, with my friends who are about, oh, what, 40 minutes for me, half an hour. 
we ran in the same circles as kids. I just know it. Um, at least one of them. Cause it's like our, yeah, our memories are similar in our events. It's like, so yeah, we're all connected one way or another. Um, yeah. Can you tell me how people can get a hold of you and your ministry? Yeah, right now we since I'm in the early stages, let's just do the email. Okay. Uh, you want a link, or you want to give it to me, or give them have me give it to them. Yeah, go ahead and give it. Okay, it's um, F H M Fractured Heart Ministries, just F H M Ministries at yahoo.com wonderful i'm so excited about this so i hope you get a lot of people contacting you i hope so yep um it'll be exciting adventure yeah you you talked to me earlier about the importance to you of relationship and not just like people showing up for a once a week counseling appointment so that's part of what you do? Yeah, that's, I, you have, I think, to help people heal from this severe trauma, you have to almost assimilate them in your life and not be afraid of them. Not that they have to be with you every minute, but, you you know, traditionally in counseling, you see a therapist once a week and that's it. And then if you see them outside, you, you can't, you know, you have to basically pretend you don't see them or just make, you know, keep it very um, low key, you know. And I've had two people in my life who have mentored the opposite. They're not afraid of people who are hurting. They're not afraid of these people coming into their lives and being a part of their lives at a certain level and building that friendship and relationship with them to help them heal. Um, and I think to me, that's that's just something God has put on my heart the last couple years because um, we we know that even in traditional counseling the relationships what heals everything else is just a byproduct whether what technique you're using but it's the relationship that heals so if you're not going to develop a relationship with people you're not going to help them heal so that's going to be um, an important part of my ministry because then that person can develop a relationship and carry that on with who they help. So then you have this whole big family helping each other. Which is so needy, needed yeah. for SRA survivors. Yeah, which is what the church should be doing, but that's another topic in our day. Well, and this is opening the door for that as pastors yeah. start hearing and start getting a vision for, first of all, that SRA exists. Mm-hmm. And they should understand that because it's in the Bible. I've done talks on that already. Yeah. You know, my podcast, it's strongly in the Bible. It's never, you know, devil doesn't quit. Say, oh, that was a great idea for back then. (laughs) You know, let's stop that now. It continues. It just goes underground. Mm -hmm. But the church hasn't taken it on in its time. You know, I believe we're in a season. Yeah. So pastors can, first of all, come to understand that yes this does exist then they need to be educated then what what's your vision um then we develop churches that embrace people who are struggling 
and we develop little mentoring groups um, and people start healing and we show them Christ in our flawed form. I think churches want to be perfect before they give Christ. And it's like, no, you just be you. And that's, that's good enough. And Christ will do the rest because I am nowhere near perfect. And I am not a saintly Christian, but you know, I have a relationship and I do my best and this is where I'm at. And that's, and that's genuine and authentic. And that's all I can be. And I think that's all people want. Well, and that's all all of us are, whether we'll admit it or not. I mean, you know, that's us. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier and you told me a nugget of the best advice you ever received. And I wanted to make sure that you share that. Uh, Dick Hostetler shared with me when I first started working with him was to let the memory swirl in your mind and let it settle. And that's okay. Um, And I think he said like at least a week. And that was so reassuring to me. Um, Because when I first started going through memories, they were pretty overwhelming. And trying to grasp and accept all the things that you do and had done to you, um, it would have just overwhelmed me. Um, But letting it just float there, you know, every once in a while you think about it, and it kind of settles down a little bit. And once we think about it, and it's like, okay. And you learn to accept it that way. Um, I didn't have the pressure to accept it right then. I didn't feel crazy um, that I had to make sense of this right now. And it was just so freeing. Um, yeah, it's the best advice I've ever had. I wish I'd had that years yeah. ago. Because every every new flashback I had, it would convince me that I really was crazy. It's like, yeah. oh, I've really lost it now. Because they get worse in scope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I think there's an urgency to get rid of those thoughts, um, to make yourself feel better. And it's like, no, you don't have to. It, it's not. It's kind of like, you know, feelings. They're neither right or wrong, good or bad. They just are. And, you just, and that's the same with those memories. Just let them sit there. It'll settle. And it It'll be all right. Right. You also said to me earlier, and I quote, you are more sane now than you've ever been. (laughs) Yeah, because I was crazy before. Um, I felt crazy. Oh, yeah. I, um, there was times I didn't know which, what side was up, but I could go on and perform my life, do my job and be good at it. And, you know, but inside I, yeah. I was just miserable. And um, until I figured this out, it you know, that went away. Um, and now I uh, might still be crazy, but at least I know why. I'm dissociative <laughs> and traumatized. Yeah. So, um, so I guess your listeners, if you're out there and you're feeling crazy and you know you're not, because if you can think it, you're not. Um, but it's like you're you're not crazy. You're just, you're wounded and hurt and you don't, you don't have a label for it yet. Um, and yeah. What if somebody says they don't know for sure it's SRA, can they still contact you? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I've never been told I'm SRA by somebody. I figured that out on my own. Right. Um, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yep. You have a question. Even if you're just struggling, 
you know, with life issues, I, I can still work and help you with that. It's, you know, it's right. all healing. Right. Is there anything else you're talking already to SRA survivors? Is there anything else you want to say to them? Um, I, to encourage you and um, to take those first steps, uh, whatever they are for you, and um, work through the process of what Jesus is doing for you. Um, and don't be afraid to be you because God has made you special, uh, no matter what you're like or what you're struggling with. Um, trust his process. Uh, he will walk you through it. It's not always pretty, um, but um, yeah. And I guess that I've been, I have a quote from Isaiah 43 too. It's like when you pass through the waters and I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. And what I take from that is it's not if, but it's when. So trust him to walk uh, you through that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and, and it is. It's a fire. And yeah, there's a lot of times I felt like drowning. Um, but it's not like it was before I knew this. Before I used to call it, you know, there's a difference between, there's a fine line between treading water and swimming and then that line of drowning in between. Um, before I was doing almost a lot of drowning, drinking a lot of water. Uh, but now I'm just, you know, sometimes I swim in the river. Um, and then you play around the fire, but, um, just keep working. It, it's worth it. Uh, if you don't have somebody, find somebody, uh, that's the other thing. Find somebody that understands you, even if they're not a victim or a survivor. Uh, if you can find that one person that'll stand beside you, that's very important. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you need to find somebody too, you can contact John at yep. FHM Ministries at yahoo.com. You can find um, Only God Rescued Me on Facebook and connect with me there. But don't be alone. Yeah. yeah don't don't be alone. No. John, what would you like to say to society? Uh, wake up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wake That's up. That's good. From your slumber. Um, look, look what's going on around you. And um, ask yourself the question, is the pleasure I have now really worth the cost? And I think society needs to answer that. Because um, it's going to cost you a lot. And um, don't be afraid to build relationships with hurting people. You'd be amazed how much we can bless you. Um, yeah, that's it. Even giving the uh, insight of when you walk through the fire. I think it's survivors who can zero in on those aspects mm -hmm. that maybe other people don't quite see as strongly. That's good. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to add today? Yeah, and um, you have spoken this into me a little bit. You, as survivors of SRA, you are extremely, extremely strong. And you may not feel it, and you definitely haven't been told that, but you are. 
the things we've been through and done and seen. Um, yeah, we are a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for. That is true. I think it's easier yeah. for other people to look at it and see it yep. than to be from the inside out. Yeah. In, in our view of it, yeah. for sure. That's good. Anything else? No, I think that's it. John, this has been absolutely delightful. I just am just very thrilled with this interview. And I just know you're going to change people's lives. And mm. I'm just very proud to know you. Thank you. I thank so, you for your courage to do this. Because um, uh, without you, I wouldn't be here <laughs> doing this podcast. And I'm so honored. This is your first time speaking out. and Yes, it is. Yep. That is a huge, huge step. Because that that's directly going against programming. Oh, yes. Yeah. So thank you. And I'm honored that you did it here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I know it's the first time of many. And I hope a lot of churches have you in to give your testimony and to speak and to start to educate. So thank you. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Lisa. Bye. Bye.